Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. Well, I know I say this a lot, but this is another exciting interview. <laughs> um, the Our guest this week, or my guest this week, is uh, Matt Condon from Bardivon Health Innovations. Now, they're a pretty unique company in that they're in the workman's comp space and they, they are managing care in a way that is drastically different than many of their competitors. Um, many managed care organizations in the workman's injury space in general. So Matt himself is a pretty interesting guy. He was, uh, he started a physical therapy clinic right out of school, ended up growing that and selling it. And part of running that clinic with, you know, multiple locations and clinicians here and clinicians there and patients coming out the door at different areas, different locales, he wanted a way to track some of that data, wanted to find a way really to help improve outcomes and efficiencies across the board. So he developed some some software that we'll talk about as the interview progresses and sold that that practice off and then ended up founding Bardavon Health Solutions or Health Innovations. And they basically manage the care for for injured workers while tapping into a network of providers that they have and leveraging the data within their system to help improve outcomes and improve efficiency of care across their network. So it's it's a pretty innovative way of looking at managed care, and it's pretty interesting in general, which is why I really wanted to have him on the show. Um... So without any further ado, here's Matt Condon talking about Bardivon Health Innovations. So hey, Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Rafi. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, Before we get too deep, kind of just tell us the standard, the intro about yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll talk about Bardivon as we get a little deeper. Yeah. Um, So I always started on Iowa Farm Kid first, right? So I grew up in that environment. Um, 2003, after finishing grad school and law school, I started a physical therapy clinic um, in, in Kansas City, honestly, not knowing that much about physical therapy, but believing that we were going to navigate to a value-based healthcare system, believing that musculoskeletal would be the sharp tip of the sword, and understanding that therapists spent the most amount of time with their patients of anybody in the medical practice. So yeah. equipping them with a data collection tool was meaningful. And so opened a clinic in 03, saw 300 visits that year. Um, by 2012, became one of the largest of its kind in the in the Midwest, if not the country. We're seeing 85,000 visits per year. Holy smokes! And um, had built up technology inside of that that differentiated. We had good clinicians, we had good clinics, but we built up a data collection tool that allowed us to go to employers and give a real value-based prop that why we were a better value, even if we might have been incrementally more on a per visit basis, why we were a better value. And so. Um, really fortunate. I had a bunch of advisors that, that kind of guided me that I had a national business, not a local business. 
So in, in 2012, you know, right before, while we were doing all that growth, pulled the IP and technology out, sold the clinic um, services business to a great friend, partner group um, in, in, in Houston, U.S. Physical Therapy, and Chris Redding is the CEO there, and started Bardavon with um, three people. And uh, we took a Saturday and Sunday off, and the following Monday after transacting those ARC clinics, we started Bardavon with three people, and today stand uh, about 210 people. We operate in all 50 states, and we um, help large self-insured employers, carriers, um, kind of pioneer this path toward directing care off of actual clinical quality instead of off of um, meaningless discounts. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack there. So part of on in and of itself, did you take the, I guess the data collection tools that you had at the clinic and kind of springboard into Bardavon or was it one of those, like, we've done this once, we'll do it again over here. No. Yeah. We, we took that, that kind of infrastructure and it was pretty, you know, um, you know, early and, 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 and not real sophisticated and kind of a blunt object because it was built within my clinics for our clinicians to utilize. Yeah. So um, we had to take that client server-based model of the cloud, and we had to, um, you know, start to support now over 13,000 providers in all 50 states. And, you know, and that's been a path for us to learn how to be really good, good partners. I think, I think to, to create fundamental change in our marketplace, it's not just providing a better ROI to the payer. It's providing a better work experience to the provider. Mm-hmm. and using both of those to facilitate a better outcome for the patient. And to be really successful in the next generation of healthcare technology and innovation, you got to do all three. Yeah. And we're working hard to continue to get better at being a partner with that provider um, in particular, because the other yeah. two we know have been validated. Better patient outcomes, tighter lines for payers, but being a great partner to the provider is, is part of who we are. Yeah. So then tell us a little bit about what Bardafon does exactly, because you're right now in the in the workman's comp space mostly, right? We are right now. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, we are. We are. Um, so what we do, um, traditional kind of intermediaries that have historically played in our space, basically go out to large payers and say, hey, you have a physical therapy spend um, throughout the country. It's, you know, terribly disparate, you know, thousands of different providers, and we'll get it for you for cheaper next year than you got it last year. That has been the historical go-to-market message. Yeah. Um, we think that that's a race to the bottom for everybody. Um, we think that that's a, uh, and I, but, but not to be too condescending to those groups that have come before us and built their models off of it. It was a good value prop, right? <laughs> it was, it was a good value prop originally. And we didn't, they didn't have the technology that we have access to now. Um, that can enable a different way to view um, providers. And so we go out to um, large self-insured employers and carriers and say, hey, this musculoskeletal space is unique. Um, And we're really good at managing it, directing it, and supporting it inside of clinicians and provider groups that align their incentives to yours, which is give that injured associate the best care and get him or her back to the highest level of function as efficiently as possible. And we do that by not just, you know, managing the claim side, but more importantly, managing the clinical documentation side. And we've created a cloud-based platform that providers in New York will use this morning, that in that learning will teach providers in Tampa at lunch, that those learnings will teach um, providers in Denver later on in the day. And all three of those learnings will teach providers in California that night. So it's living, breathing, ever evolving platform of shared knowledge 
that uh, again aligns incentives and helps providers focus on the things that are really important to the payer, which is exceptional care. Yeah. So then just backing up a little bit, because we we kind of talked about kind of workman's comp and the old value prop. So tell us a little bit about then how workman's comp generally handles referrals, visits, you know, what they use the metrics they use to measure quality of care or at least yeah. You know their their seek the their improvement measurements, and then how what you're doing is a little yeah. different. Yeah. So um, and again, I, I I always feel like when I say this, I always like to just to to position it. I'm not trying to be negative on those that we're competing with. Again, I think that they built their infrastructures off of um, technology that's now archaic. Yeah. And, and the reality of it is, you know, we're all on EMRs now in the healthcare space. But those EMRs are really built to facilitate billing. I mean, not to be, I mean, they're really built yeah. to illustrate how many CPT units you used and to issue a claim. They're not used, those EMRs weren't built to show what the patient's health was on Monday and how that's how that patient's health has changed by Friday because of the interventions and the work that those providers did. Um, it's just, it wasn't built to do that. And so- um, that's what's really unique about our solution. We created a, a documentation tool that identifies and articulates um, what the patient's health was, you know, at the eval. It immediately illustrates for the provider what success looks like for the payer. Um, this patient needs to lift 42 pounds, who have 48 inch shelf, drag 30 pounds, 20 feet, whatever it is that that is commensurate with them returning to their work. And then it, for lack of a better term incentivizes the provider to document um, progress in order for him or her to create a bill. So while we are still managing the claim side, what we're really looking at is that rich clinical data to show provider performance associated with patient improvement. And the beautiful thing, this is what I would say all day, and the physical therapist, as I said before, spends so much time with these patients. Yeah. And if the physical therapist stopped allowing themselves to be commoditized and anonymized to a claim and a discount and, and really engaged in our platform or other efforts that are built to, to allow him or her to collect meaningful data about patient improvement. They become one of the most important healthcare providers in the entire musculoskeletal spectrum. Um, those physical therapists are seeing patients from all kinds of doctors. They're seeing them from all. And so they, they are experts in musculoskeletal and it, it is a real opportunity to kind of restructure the marketplace. And I say it's good for the provider. Absolutely. It's good for the payer, uh, unquestionably. But what we can't lose, it's also the best thing for the patient. And, and we don't apologize about having that goal at Bardavon either, that patient outcomes rule. Everything that facilitates superior patient outcomes, when outcomes are defined by meaningful terms, yeah. um, are, are our focus point. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that means you're focused very heavily on the outcome measures used to assess like functional outcome as opposed to, you know, you get into these spaces and it's you're you have so many authorized visits and how many units per visit and all that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, and this is where workers' compensation is not the end point, but it's rather the launch point of really meaningful change in healthcare. Yeah. Workers' compensation is the only segment which there is a quantifiable metric of success. In, in musculoskeletal. I mean, if you see me that I come in with golf pain, um, you're going to treat me until I tell you I can play golf again, whatever that means. Yeah. I'm not very good. 
and or until I get tired of paying my copay. But in workers' compensation, we know that I got hurt lifting a 42-pound bag of nails to a 58-inch shelf. And so your job is to treat me with as much quality treatment as possible to get me back to that level of functionality. And we document that and hold that account accountability. Um, so we know what you did, how long it took, how many visits, and what you're doing inside of those visits to optimize that outcome efficiently and effectively. And, and in so doing, what we're really finding out is not just how good the physical therapist is, but how good every practitioner that touched that patient, how often they are associated with quality outcomes. And, and, and again, sorry, but the, the most important thing about that for the future is your clinicians, Rafi, are doing work comp, but they're also doing Medicare and commercial health. Um, other clinics providers are doing work comp, commercial health, and Medicare. The reality of it is by looking through the lens of workers' compensation, we believe we are, we are actually able to identify within each individual zip code which musculoskeletal providers most commonly heal their patients. And that is a beautiful thing um, for, for every, all stakeholders. Yeah. And then how do you, do you use that data when filtering out, let's say more workman's comp injuries, or do you, are you handing that data over to clinicians themselves and saying, look, we're benchmarking you against other competitors yeah. in your space. Yeah. I mean, I think what's important too is, is because the clinical documentation is sitting on our platform we understand which things appropriately impact outcomes. Like a 64-year-old obese smoker with a rotator cuff tear is probably going to have a different need for services to get to a high level of um, physical function than an otherwise healthy 21-year-old. Yeah. But if we just call them both the same things, we're going to see that, I mean, maybe the 65-year-old the took three more visits to get to that level of function. So if I just look at the claims data, it looked like that therapist didn't do as good a job. When I look at the clinical data across the spectrum of the country, we find out that that's an exceptional job. Exactly, like was, yeah. And so that is actually, even though that therapist maybe saw that patient three more times, they're likely starting to prove that they're a superior patient. They would have done even better with the 21-year-old. And so, yes, we use that data to both intervene and optimize for the good of the patient outcome with the provider. We hold those providers you know, accountable to region, national, how they're doing with like patients. And we try to use that platform to be predictive moving forward about, okay, we definitely see trends. Rafi's clinics do exceptional with um, uh, females who smoke and had ACL tears. Let's figure out why. And let's apply that learning to other providers in Iowa so that they are able to get better outcomes for their patients. It is kind of a, uh, you know, everybody's- Like an ecosystem, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly what a platform is supposed to be. Yeah. So then do you, I know that on your website, on Bartimon's website, you have clinical consultants available. And I guess that's one of the mechanisms by which some of that yeah. learning is transferred, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about you, any, any physical therapy provider, they've got access to their six clinics and the data there. Yeah. We've got access to 13,000. So we are able now to identify at evaluation with a pretty significant statistical relevance based off of how the clinicians document the realities of that patient, that patient looks like they fit the model to potentially become an outlier. So before we go down a bad path, let's start adding resources to them right now to make sure we keep them on a track of healing and, and going back to their, their life and their goals in, in a reasonable way. And so 
it's, it's awesome because that platform is so organic and allows us the ability to now become predictive and then apply those predictive principles to a clinician we're working with for the first time because we've learned. Um, you know, that's why, you know, companies always talk about their moat. Our moat gets bigger every day because we're learning with thousands of visits today and we're going to yeah. be better tomorrow because of it. And that's cool. Awesome. And then, so what other mechanisms then do you have? Is it, is it directly to the provider where you're offering some of this learning or is this more of kind of an administrative level where you, you're getting this data, you're seeing it as you're kind of dashboarding it and then you're kind of using that to direct care or is there any like one-on-one -on -one, like, hey, Rafi's clinic is starting to stink <laughs> with, you know, carpal tunnel injuries or whatever. Let's give him some help. Yes, it's all of that. So it's individual down to the clinician. So what's important too, and then this whole concept about historical networks, anonymizing, commoditizing um, the, the, the provider, we know down to the provider name, the clinic, the provider, like Joe Smith, we know how Joe does with certain patients. And so we know we, because we have his data and we also have an ability to connect with him and intervene and optimize whenever possible. Now we will also then sit with Joe's regional director or clinic owner and look at their whole corporate data. Then we will look at, um, you know, payers, like here's how, you know, it's going in this region. Here's how Joe Smith's doing for these set of clinics. So it is interventional. The other thing that's important though, is it also um, incorporates being able to look at the things that are not in the clinician's control that may impact outcomes. So we're able to look at adjuster um, statistics and find out if an adjuster sits on a referral for two weeks before he or she then transfers it into your clinic, the fact that there's going to be a delay in return to work is real. It's expected, yeah. but it's not your fault. Um, and so, and again, we're not trying to cast blame on anybody, but we're trying to find real data that allows us to continue to get smarter every day about what best in class treatment is and really create um, um, regional distributed centers of excellence in every zip code that people can depend upon. Yeah. So, I mean, that that in and of itself is pretty interesting where you're talking about delays and lags and in, in referrals to clinical outcomes and that sort of thing. I just like when you get that granular, you're really creating something super, super powerful. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and again, I, I mean, I, yes, it is powerful. It's but it the beauty of a double sided network like we are, it's one thing to get employers interested in data, but having providers and patients join this kind of mission uh -huh. about, yeah, we want. I want to, you know, if I get injured on the job, I want access to super high quality healthcare. I want it efficiently. I want it effectively. I want somebody with aligned goals. And I want to, I want to, I want an environment that incentivizes all parties to do that. I don't want an environment that incentivizes the provider to create a really big bill, give a manipulated discount, and then give me bad treatment because they're upset about how little I'm getting, they're getting paid for every visit. That's not a, that's not an outcome that values or validates anybody. And yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's going the way of the dinosaur. I think it will become that that model will become extinct. Yeah, which is basically the third party payers putting the squeeze on everybody, right? Because <laughs> they yeah. they're not wanting to shell out as much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, and again, it's it's all this looking at it not over the course of the CPT unit or the visit, but looking at it over the course of the claim. When you change that perspective, it fundamentally changes what incentives everybody is asked to um, apply to, and I think because we have this whole view and because we can deploy it 
as easily in LA today as we can in Des Moines, Iowa, makes it really powerful. And I think makes it, and the fact that not only are we learning about the patients, we're learning from our provider partners. We're learning from our TPA partners. We're learning from our employer partners. And we're applying all that learning and evolving the system every day. It makes us dangerous in a really good way. Yeah. So then talk to me a little bit about incentives then. So normal fee for service, physical therapy clinic, somebody comes in, you're charging a CPT code for an eval, maybe some treatment. And that's kind of, you're, you're looking at patients almost as a per visit basis, right? Like each patient is worth this many units to me, this, that, and the other. So how does, how does this type of solution change yeah. or alter the incentive structure for, you know, say a clinician that's just now entering this space? Like they sign up with Bardavon, how's the, how's the in, uh, incentives different? So, um, be, because quality actually matters because in the workers' compensation segment, the employer has at least total control or significant influence in where the referral goes. Uh -huh. um, now, they may abdicate that responsibility to a third party, but if they so choose to bring it back, the employer unquestionably has significant um, influence in where the referral goes. When you look at a total claim, that employer is equally, if not more, exposed to the quality of care than they are were from the actual cost, right? Yeah. $65 billion year marketplace, half the cost is medical cost. The other half is indemnity, which is driven by how long it took and if that patient got back to work. And so because we're bringing that perspective to the employer, um, we're, we're able to, to change it in a way that creates an environment where employers at the local level know, I'm gonna see, call it five patients from that employer. Um, the old world may have incentivized me to get as many visits and keep that person in care as long as possible because I'm getting paid so terribly for them yeah. that I've got to figure out a way to keep my lights on. That is, in a nutshell, the way our system had been until recently. In our environment, that provider is incentivized to give exceptional care to those five patients, to get them to a level of function, again, as fast as they can, but, as, but, but really get them to a level of function. Um, actually do it, not just say they did, but make sure they can lift that 42 pounds to a 38 inch shelf. Because what will happen is when that employer gets another five referral injuries that happen next week, they're going to direct them into your clinic as opposed to having them go somewhere else. And so it allows really highly quality focused providers to gain market share really quickly by doing exactly what they went to physical therapy school for, which is heal patients, really do it, not play the, the dumb claims game. Yeah, but, yeah. But play the clinical game in a way that they went to school for and, and what they love. And um, it, it sounds so commonsensical at its root because it really is. Um, we just never had the technology that validated that that proposition to the employers. Now we do, and now we're seeing employers really lean in and say, "This is what we want. We want our our injured employees to get access to this quality of, of oversight." Yeah, no, that's great. I'm always a fan of anything that kind of returns the, turns the focus of healthcare back to where it should be, which is the patient, right? Getting back to what's yeah. important to them. And in this case, getting back to work. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, does your, does your system and in your space, because you're, you're in a kind of a prime space for what physical therapists call, you know, those difficult patients, those patients that they got quote unquote injured on the job and now they don't want to go to back to work. So is there anything on your end that you're doing to kind of gather data on that and then counteract some of those 
incentives? Because when you're talking about incentives, like there's an incentive for the patient not to go back to work, right? Totally, totally. there are. There are, and and um, and I and I think yes, and and so that is also part of kind of the documentation platform logic is to try to identify those patients too. What I would say in the end, I mean, not in the end, but 99.9%, uh, these are the men and women that fight our fires, that that build our buildings, that build our roads, that do our, I mean, traditionally it's coming out of the, the labor workforce, these yeah. must, these work comp injuries. They're keeping society running. Yeah, they are. They are. They deserve high quality care. And, and but many times the system as historically structured puts them in a position to develop really significant psychosocial issues. So especially by the time they get to the physical therapist, they're mad. And unfortunately, many times they have a right to be mad. They've been kicked around a dumb system. They've been treated like a widget. They've seen providers that don't really like to see them because, you know, they, they're mad about something. And so, so it is, I don't understate the important role that um, our clinician provider partners have in, in, in helping those people understand that we really do, for lack of a better term, care about them. We really do care about them. And, and we're, we're not like the rest of the system, we're unique, but we're, we're teaching the rest of the system the way it ought to evolve. And so we get their buy-in and their collaboration as we go down that path and, and, and move. But look, the reality of it is, yeah, we get some really tough clients that don't get great outcomes. Um, the nice thing is though, we're able to identify them now as anomalies Mm -hmm. um, because of the rest of the data shows that we can get good outcomes. There are some patients we're just not going to get a good outcome with. And it's not because we don't have good provider partners. It's they're, they're just not going to buy in. And so that bad outcome shouldn't reflect upon that clinician. Cause you know, in most cases we've got real data that shows that clinician and 55 other claims did a really good job. So it is, it, it ends up being identified more as a reflection of that, that patient than it is the, the provider in those rare instances where that happens. Yeah. Which is part of that, that great data collection, right? Cause you can right. drill down to this, cl this clinician and say, well, you know, he's actually doing a really good job. There's just this, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, this, this clinician's on, been on a, one of those marginal trails. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the clinician, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that trend, trend is normal. The other thing we see, which you would appreciate um, too, I don't know from your perspective, there are sometimes where the therapist is doing an exceptional job getting a patient back to the level of function required to do his or her job. And the treating doctor just keeps prescribing more therapy. Yeah. That is not a reflection of the therapist's job. They did their job and they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but it does become meaningful for the employer on the next time they refer a patient to that doctor. Yeah. Right. The doctor's not reading the notes or not navigating the notes. And those are rare instances also, but it's really important that that utilization number doesn't reflect poorly on the therapist. When the therapist identified in the 15th visit, this person can go back to work. If the doctor authorized and mandated, you know, 10 more visits, that shouldn't be a reflection of the therapist. Yeah. There's nothing the therapist can do about that, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. They can't do anything. Yeah. So then about psychosocial factors and all that. So I'm a big, big fan of the biopsychosocial model. Our clinic uses it. I teach it when I, when I do work with clients. Is there anything in the Bardavon system that accounts for that? Because it's very easy in the musculoskeletal space to be like, oh, your range of motion is bad. You're, you're weak. You got yeah. pain of whatever. That's what we're going to go with. So I'm just barely dangerous to start speaking about this. Like our chief clinical officer, <laughs> you should have her on because she is unbelievable. Um, but it is something because our roots are, are in the provider space. So we live this biopsychosocial 
um, dilemma, right? In reality, yeah. in real ways over the course of 80, 90,000 visits per year for a while. So we saw it. Um, and we also, like you, believe in it and apply it. And the reality of it is, I mean, there are so many things that we believe now that we can do to, um, you know, I know our team works with Adrian Lowe, right? We do a bunch of stuff yeah. around the country because if we're able to, to create an environment where our clinicians and our patients um, are cognizant of, of all these things that can impact their outcome and are bought into walking that journey with us to get to it, um, we naturally, um, we get to a better outcome, which makes all of us look better and makes more and more employers want to buy into this. And so um, I'm not going to misstate how we're doing all of that, but I encourage you, if you want me to set you up with Dorothy Revere, who's our chief clinical officer, she brings it up to me almost daily about how we need, we were doing a lot of it. I think we're doing as a network more than anybody else is by far, but there's more we can do. And there's more that we will do in 2021 because we're committed to it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sometimes just being aware of it is enough to start making the, the wheels start turning. Right. Yeah. And, and really, because again, we're in all 50 States, um, we probably have a responsibility to, to, to illuminate that and bring it to market at a, at a greater, um, um, level, because if not us, who's going to do it? I, I don't know who else could. And, and we know that it's truth and it's real. And so we feel a responsibility to continue to lean in in that manner. Yeah, that's awesome. So you are in all 50 states. You're gathering a lot of data on thousands and thousands of visits every day. How do we make sure the patient doesn't get lost in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think under the, again, I keep just saying the old model, the patient always got lost, right? Yeah. The provider got lost a most of the time, the patient got lost all of the time because it was always about the claim. It's yeah. always about how many CPT units, how many visits, gross charge, net charge. That is nothing about the patient. Um, and so because of this clinical documentation, because we are able to now see thousands of providers on a daily basis and start to identify anomalies at eval, start to lean in. I mean, the reality of it is, you know, there are some therapists that aren't good and aren't trying. And so that's just a fact. Yeah. They're, they're rare, but they happen. And so the ability to for us to go past that, to see what is or is not being documented, and to reach out to that provider and guide him or her to do something meaningful for that patient, or else we control the referral, right? The next referral doesn't go to that provider, right? I mean, because they're not going to do a good job. They shouldn't get more referrals. Yeah. Um, if they are going to do a good job, they should be paid fairly for that. And so um, I think our system lends itself because we are so provider focused um, to be exceptional at that. Now, now the backside is we are asking providers to do something pretty unnatural, which is the document in a different documentation system for that patient. Yeah. So it's incumbent upon us and we are investing heavily. We're going to, we're going to go with a new iteration. Um, it's called B notes two here in the coming months. We also know that on this journey, we have to continue to perfect our, our documentation system to be as workflow seamless and, and, and to unencumber our provider partners with not knowing how to navigate a system and documenting as much as possible and, and allow them to put their hands on their patients to treat them and to heal them and the documentation to be more and more every day, um, uh, you, you know, seamless with their normal operation. And so it is a, it's a, it's a journey we're on. We're not perfect at it today, but we'll be better at it tomorrow. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because you do, one of the unique things about Bardavon in this space, especially in the workman's comp space, is you do have your own 
EMR essentially, right? It's your own documentation system. Yeah. Clinicians are in there every day do- documenting specifically on Bardavon claims, Bardavon mm-hmm. patients. Yes. Um, has, has that in and of itself evolving? Are you looking at integrating into other EMRs or like how do you see that yeah. evolution, if you would? It is an, it, that is the right word. It is an evolution. And yeah, we are, we, we did a um, really significant integration with Raintree in 2019, <clears throat> still rolling out actually though, there's, you know, processes and iterations of that. Yeah. Um, and, and then 2020, um, and tw- 2020, we did more 2021 will do even more because we're committed to that provider partnership thesis that we need to continue to lean in and try to create an environment where it's easier and easier every day for our, for providers that really care about patient outcomes to be partners with us. Now, the reality of it is though, again, I said it before, we are going to ask them to do more for our patients and we are not going to apologize about that Yeah, because that is the best thing for the patients. It does illuminate data for employers that make them see there's a difference between provider A, provider B and provider C that I don't see on the claims because I do see it in the clinical documentation. And so I'm going to use provider B because she does a better job and I want to use her then as a result of that. And so um, part of it is the clinical documentation system. The other part of it is we pay all providers the same in that region. So we pay all Iowa providers the same. I have no incentive to push referrals to somebody who gives me a big discount because they're all giving me the same discount. Yeah. I have every incentive to push referrals to the provider that's doing the best job. And that, um, you know, we're unapologetic about that business model differentiating factor for us. And um, I think it's, again, more a reflection of where healthcare will go. Yeah. Sort of that valued based. It doesn't matter. You're, you're getting, you're getting referrals based off the outcomes that you're providing. Right. Yeah. It's been, it's been, you know, a little disappointing, but a little bit humorous how many times as we've gone into marketplaces and open up, We've had some providers that didn't do well um, versus other providers in their communities that did. And those providers that didn't do well call and say, hey, I know I just lost employer X. If I gave you a $10 bigger discount, could I get them back? Yeah. And we say, you could give us a $50 big, you could give us a completely free therapy. No, you, you don't give Yeah. I mean, it go, that's where early adopters have done really well for us. They've understood the incentive structure is different. They've leaned in and gave good outcomes and they continue to get market share by the employers that are willing to, to um, direct care to the best treating provider. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I guess last, last few minutes here, talk a little bit about just you, we've been talking about value-based care a little bit and the, kind of the shift to that, but for someone who's kind of maybe new or just is trying to figure out like, what is value-based care? Like, how would you define it for somebody? I think it, it goes right in line with our conversation that in and of itself is evolving. And so yeah. value-based care um, to me uh, is most simplistically defined as exactly what we thought value-based care meant when we first heard the term, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's yeah. the last, it's, I don't care how you tell me how long you've been in the healthcare industry and I, that's how many years the term value-based care has been modified or changed, or, changed yeah. <laughs> in a way that now, you know, the, the first time you heard it, you'd think that's not value-based care. That's, that's something totally different. Value-based care. And I do believe that muscular skeletal is the segment and workers' compensation has that 
I said it before, a sharp tip of the spear will be the space that it launches first in, is in many ways part and parcel with everything Bardavon represents, which is find out which providers heal their patients um, the best from time or quality or, or functionality. Find out which ones. And they, the system creates the incentive structure to get them more patients. That in and of itself is what value-based care. Now, as we evolve as an organization going into a system that has been absolutely um, resistant and in many ways, I, I would say contradictory to a value-based model kind of thesis, um, we're leaning in with, <clears throat> as part of our organization of 210, there's a lot of insiders, right, that, that know the work comp space, but we are unapologetically peppering in outsiders that have been able to build this kind of model in tangential healthcare spaces. So we just announced Zane Burke joining our board, who is the CEO of Lavanco. Yeah, um, yeah. Did something that's never been done in the healthcare services space. Um, showed employers how value-based health tech-enabled tech service structure would work and how it can change the flow of healthcare and had tremendous success. Now he picked Bardavon to come on because he thinks workers' comp and musculoskeletal is the next segment for that to happen. And so we are going to start to apply thought leaders and intellectual you know, capacity around driving this marketplace to, um, to, to following that path because it is the right path for the patient, for the provider, and for the payer. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I guess last last closing thoughts. If, uh, if you had one or two things you wanted the, the listener to take away, what would it be? I, I, I think if there's, there's, there's one thing that I'd want our listeners to, to take away is that this journey toward value-based healthcare, toward value-based and musculoskeletal, toward evolution and workers' comp is a partnership. And so part of that is Bardavon bringing solutions solutions forward. Part of it is um, employers um, adopting a new way to look at partnering with us, right? And adopting a new way to look at value in healthcare. Part of it is providers doing things differently. They can't do the things the way they did last year and think they're going to get a exactly. different outcome. We got to do things differently. But that partnership also means those providers telling Bardavon when we can be better, right? I mean, it is a, it is a, it is a true partnership now. It's not, we're not treating you like a widget, again, anonymizer and commoditizing. It is a true partnership. I'll get off of this call and go on a call with the CEO that we'll talk about what Bardavon's done well, hasn't done well, should be doing, should be thinking about. And that really rich, organic conversation is what a partnership is about. And we need providers to break out of the world where they felt like the network treated them like a, a you know, a, a second a producer, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, and really... It, look at us and engage with us as a partner. And sure, that means telling us when we're doing great work for them. It also means honestly calling me when they're frustrated so that we can fix it and be a better partner tomorrow. It's both. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Um, well, if people wanted to connect with you, find out more about Bardavon, about what y'all do, where can they find you? www.bardavon.com. Uh, my email is mcondon at bardavon.com. Tell them that I, I'd talk with anybody. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, Matt, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Rafi. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Congrats for everything. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt from Bardavon Health Innovations. I like having conversations with people that just think differently about the way things have been and what the possibilities are. And I love that Bardavon 
given just the way that they they track data, they accumulate data, and they monitor it, how they're able to then leverage that data to help improve outcomes, not just at one facility or one clinician, but across their entire system. I think it's as we move forward, you know, we've had some folks on here talking about digital health and telehealth and integrating technology into healthcare. Like a big part of that, to me anyways, is the free flow of information and data and what we know as clinicians or as organizational leaders, like if we know something works over here, why can't we translate that over there? And if you wanted to, we, I had a great discussion, I think it was episode six, with Darren Schwindeman talking about knowledge translation in general, which is just an interesting topic. But anyways, I, I love Bardavon, I love what they're doing. So go check them out if you're interested in that kind of stuff, if you're interested in kind of seeing what they're doing in the workman's comp space. Um, other than that, guys, if you like what we're doing, head on over to uh, www.betteroutcomes.show or rehab the letter u practice solutions.com so www.rehabupracticesolutions.com you can sign up there um, to get any articles we release white papers we publish and then of course every couple weeks you'll get the latest episode of the podcast as we drop them we drop them every other wednesday sometimes we'll get We'll get a little crazy and drop a bonus episode in on the off week. Um, but that's basically where you can go and, and sign up and get kept in the loop with what we're doing here. If you're ready to craft a strategy to help your organization bring in more clients, retain them throughout their course of care, and create uniquely impactful patient experiences, then reach out to us. I'd love to have a conversation with you about how Rehab U Practice Solutions can help out what you're doing at your organization. Um, we can help you train your staff and clinicians to be able to confidently communicate the value your organization provides. We can help you leverage best practices, new technology, whatever marketing and messaging you're looking at implementing in order to maximize patient engagement and retention. And we can also help you develop a system that keeps your patients happy, engaged, and satisfied throughout their course of care. So one, that they complete their course of care, and then two, they'll come back to you, they'll tell your friends and neighbors about you. So we're not just uh, one of those places that help you craft the marketing message. Um, we help you develop real relationships with your patients. So if that's something you're interested in, um, head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com or you can send an email to support at rehabupracticesolutions.com and Sharon can get you on the schedule. Until the next time, guys, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.